Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, I'm Chris Valentin, and welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And today I have one of the most interesting guests I've ever had on this show, Ed Rush. And you were a fighter pilot, F-18 fighter pilot in the military. You've written five books, five best-selling books. I, 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 I caught that part because I've <laughs> written a couple books myself. You're a business consultant, and you were actually, this is interesting, you were actually flew for in the military, but with the Marines. I did. Right? Yeah. And like, I never think about the Marines having jets, but you're with the Marines. Yeah, most people can't think of the Marines speaking in complete sentences or, you know, <laughs> pronouncing words properly. And so just the, our ability to even get into the air 100 years after the Wright brothers is a minor, minor miracle. But yeah, the Marine Corps have real fighters. We're very infantry driven. So we love supporting the guy on the ground. That's what we do. And that's what I did. That's awesome. Before we get into all of that, I'd love to hear about your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Like, how, how, how'd you get saved? Tell us a little bit about your relationship with the Lord. So before I do that, I have to tell you about the first time I met Chris Valentin. Okay, oh, so no. You don't know. We did a little talking before this, but you don't. We did? So, so but, but, but here's the story. So I was up about a month and a half oh, ago. Oh, my goodness. I, know I just want to throw a curveball right okay, in the beginning. Okay, do it. But a month and a half ago, I was here in Reading. I was doing a coaching day for some of your leadership uh, team. And during the coaching session, they said, hey, is there anything we can do for you? And I said, yeah, you know, in a month, I'm on this podcast with Chris. I'd love to meet Chris. And they said, well, tonight is the first night of Braveco, the men's event. Oh, yeah. So they said, come tonight, show up 15 minutes early, we'll introduce you to Chris. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm a Marine. So if you say show up 15 minutes early, <laughs> I'm there 20 minutes early. And I'm there, we're just having a conversation. I was actually talking to Dave Harvey. We're standing in the aisle. And we're in the middle of like an intense, we're talking about God's wisdom and practical for business. <laughs> and, and in the middle of the conversation, you show up right next to Dave. It's like a magically sort of appeared. And Dave goes, oh, Chris, I want to introduce you to Ed Rush. Ed Rush, this is Chris. Oh, I remember that now. But what really happened in real life was <laughs> he goes, oh, and the lights went completely dark and the band started to play. And the voice said, hey, gentlemen, it's time to come take. And it was so loud and so dark. Nobody could see. The minute he said, oh, and I heard you out of the distance someplace go, okay. And then the lights came on and you were gone. You had disappeared. And that was the first time that I had ever met Chris. I'm so sorry. And in the, no, don't apologize because in the distance, I heard God laughing. Uh, it was his joke. It was our, our little joke. But anyway, that was the first time we met. I had seen you. You didn't really get to meet me. I'm we didn't sorry. really get to meet each other. No, it's not. It was, that's the first time I ever met Chris. But you so know there what? We, <laughs> there we go. You've seen a bunch of my sons. Yep. So if you've seen them, you've seen the father. I saw that. I did. Yeah. That, I spent the <laughs> night there that, that first was night. That was a awesome. joke. So I like that. <laughs> that's cool. How did you get saved? How long have you been known the Lord? So I, I got saved when I was eight years old. So the oh short version of the gosh. story is my dad was a really famous NBA referee so he was the guy that refereeing with like larry bird michael oh jordan goodness. those guys the sideline this announcer story gets better and better yeah this is it's all true by the way so the, the sideline announcer <laughs> of the seattle supersonics who's now one of my mentors this guy's eight, upper 80 years old beautiful man loves the lord decided to start to share jesus with my dad and my dad was coming into town. This guy, whose name is George Tolls, called a friend of his who had a ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach. And he called this guy and said, hey, I'm going to lead Ed Rush to Christ tonight. 
And <laughs> there's some confidence. And I want you to come with me. And this guy said, well, it's my anniversary. I, I can't come with you. And this guy, George, said, listen, you can have an anniversary any night. You can't lead someone to Jesus every night, so I need you to come. The guy came, canceled his anniversary dinner, and he came, and the two of them led my dad to the Lord. That's when I was eight. My dad came home uh, from that trip and said, son, I need to talk to you. Uh, you are a sinner. And I was like, I, I, I know that. Like, I'm good. I, you don't have to convince me of anything. Very simple presentation. Next thing you know, I'm walking with the Lord at age eight. So there's the quick wow. story. That's amazing. And then you got married. How old were you? You got married 20 years ago. So I was actually just at the end of my active duty uh, in the Marine Corps. Oh, your so wife didn't have to endure all three that. years. We were, I was teaching our, in our weapon school, basically our version of Top Gun. So three years, we had four kids. We go 18, 16, 14, four. I always tell people, I know what causes that. Uh, same wife, same wife. Uh, like I told you in the, in, when we were talking before, same wife, seventh marriage. Like we've been, we've been around so long. So yeah, that's the story of that. That's beautiful. Okay. So you went in the military. Let's talk about that. This yep. is a really interesting story, <laughs> right? What, why did you go in the military? And then how did you end up as a fighter pilot? Yeah. So, uh, I'd love to tell a story about how I was like, you know, I mean, I grew up wanting to be a pilot. You did. And the story I'd like to tell is I saw Top Gun when I was in high school and that sealed the deal for me. The truth is at the point I was in high school, I was actually, I was actually had a very low opinion of myself. So the moment I saw Top Gun, I actually thought, oh, that means everyone's going to want to do this. And I won't be able to because I'm not good enough, you know, but sure enough, I ended up talking to a recruiter when I was in college. I was a division one baseball player, ended up on a whim talking to this guy. And the guy said, do you ever want to fly airplanes? And I'm like, yeah, I want to fly airplanes. And I kid you not, like two weeks later, I was signing on the dotted line. I was on my way to boot camp between my junior and senior year in college, graduated first in boot camp, first in flight school, first in my second part of flight school, first in my third part of flight school. And next thing you know, I found out I was a really good pilot. It was a surprise to me because I was, first of all, I wasn't the smartest kid. Second, I barely got into the Marines. Third, I failed kindergarten. But what I realized is flying airplanes is actually not that hard. It's, it's some wow. of the simplest skills. Like you probably race, race cars around a little bit. Yeah. So sometimes when you can slow things down, I mean, flying is as simple as this. You push the stick forward, the houses get bigger. You pull the stick back, the houses get smaller. Like that's really what you need to know. Push the red button on the stick all the houses go away. That's, that's really all you need to know about uh, flying the airplane. But the truth is it's, it's, it's basic skills inherent in your brain. If you're able to slow things down a little bit and accept the fact that you're flying at 900 miles an hour, I guess. Wow. <laughs> and so you went into the military and there was a war going on, right? Yeah, we were in Iraq. So, uh, started flying in 99, 2003, 2004. Uh, we were, we were in combat there. One of the more intense moments of my life, taking off uh, on the runway for the very first time, we, we, you know, the runway, we're getting shelled um, fairly consistently. By, by the way, you figure out where your faith lies when you start getting shot at. Like when, when people that's start gonna, shooting at that's you. That's going to be one of my questions, actually. Yeah, when people start shooting at you, first of all, you also realize uh, what anger feels like. Because you're like, wait, wait, what a second, I didn't do anything to you. Uh, but, you know, you're at war. So, yeah. I mean, there's a logical reason why they're, why they're shooting at you. But the, the very first time I took off on an F-18, we're at Al-Assad Air Base, which is like the Prince Air Base where a, a, um, a Saddam Hussein had all of his forces. And I'm taken out on the runway. You always fly with a wingman, uh, which is actually a really good spiritual principle, too. But I took the runway. And the way that you take off in combat 
we're loaded to missiles and bombs all over the place. 12,000 foot runway, you go full afterburner, full throttle, the airplane begins to accelerate from zero to 550 miles an hour at 100 miles an hour, 150, and just above 150, the nose begins to rotate. The airplane actually wants to take off like a normal airplane, like when you're on Southwest or whatever, and just go flying into the air. But as the airplane begins to rotate, actually what you do is you push the stick forward. Very unnatural thing to do for a fighter pilot is to begin to push the stick forward when the airplane starts to rotate. So you actually push the stick forward, you put the gear up and, and the flaps up, and you stay about five feet above the runway, and you accelerate to about 450 miles an hour. And the idea is if anybody has a stinger system or something that they want to shoot you, you're it. so low, it's impossible for them to find you in the clutter. And then what you do at about 500 miles an hour is you pull the nose directly up, and you shoot from zero to about 16,000 feet as quickly as you can. Because the idea is those missile systems will work effectively up to about 10,000 feet, and your job is to minimize the time that you're in that window. And so the first time... I took off uh, on a runway in an F-18, uh, rolled down 150, 150 knots, pulled the nose up, pushed the nose back down, gear and flaps start to go up, accelerate to about 450, 500, pull the nose up, and then you look over your shoulder because you're trying to find out if people are going to shoot at you. And, and my, my whole idea was, like, priority number one was I would just like to be able to, like, live <laughs> until, like, breakfast. You exactly. know, tomorrow is a night flight. I mean, just make it to breakfast. I'll be fine. Were you afraid? I was terrified. The first time I did that, I was terrified. I wouldn't have admitted it then. Because, you know, fighter pilots are supposed to be pretty cool yeah. about things. But I was terrified. And I had made peace with God. Like, hey, if it's time, I had a daughter back home. If it's time, like, this oh, is time. Oh, you already had a daughter by Yeah, then. my first daughter, she was like five months old the first God. time I went into combat. And, um, but at the same time, wow. you're terrified. And you know people who have lost their lives in, yeah. in combat. I mean, yeah. I buried friends of mine. Yeah. And, uh, and so you're terrified. And the, f the most fascinating thing about that fear is a month later, I'm on the same runway, going on the same mission, taking off. And it is so routine, I'm barely even thinking about it. Like, no fear, no concern, not even thinking about anything. And that's really the wide-eyed realization is there... It, the most dangerous you are is over here when you're complacent. Not The first takeoff, you're going to make it. You're watching out for everything. you got your systems all ready to go. Missile starts coming. Flares are coming out. You're going to maneuver. The, a month later, when you've been routine, I've been in combat for a while, and it starts to get routine, you're, danger, you're a dangerous person then. Yeah. So that was the big realization for me in combat. You, you, you know, your book, by the way, this book, Amazing God Talks, How to Have a Friendship with God. <laughs> Even if you've made a million mistakes, this right here, you got to see this. It's a great book. <laughs> and and so, you know, I mean, you've kind of you got it out of the military and you, you know, you, you've been writing books about having a relationship with God. All your books are about having some kind of relationship with God, whether it's about business or this book is about actually how to hear God's voice. Did you ever, were you, were you in that mode when you were in the military? Like, were you listening to the Lord in the so, military? I know you're already a believer. And I was. And the journey, for me, the journey into this book is fascinating. And by the way, that, that journey involves Bethel uh, at a very critical point in my life. I'll tell you that story. But the first thing you should know, 15 years ago, I was what people would call a cessationist. I didn't believe in any of the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't believe in the... the um, I didn't believe in, in, in God talking or anything like that. I was in a very conservative church. And I, all of a sudden, started having a conversation with God. In that conversation, just started, it was very basic. It was very sort of childlike. But God started to speak. So I sat down with my pastor of this very conservative church. By the way, wonderful man. And we were at Star but Starbucks. Just to be clear, 
he didn't believe the gifts were for today. <laughs> not, right? not me. Yeah, just to make it really not clear. anywhere. Because I sit down with him we're at Starbucks. You know, the coffee paper cup is still too hot to touch. And I'm like, hey, I'm starting to have conversation with God. And he said, I would not do that. That could get hokey. It's exactly <laughs> is, what, he is that what he said. He said, I would not do that. That could get. And just so you know, he was wrong about one thing and right about something else. He was wrong to tell me not to do that, but he was right. It can get hokey. God yeah. likes to Absolutely. God likes to play around with you. Sometimes he turns the lights off when you're trying to meet Chris. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes God laughs. And um, and so he said, you know, I wouldn't do that. It will, it'll get hokey. And so I but I but I just didn't do what he told me to do. And I kept cultivating this conversation. I have my journal. And I would just sit there and listen to God. And then what I started doing, because I was a business guy, is I, is, I, is I would sit there and I would start having these conversations with God about, about business and finance. And it was fascinating to me because at the time, my spirituality was, was, was a huge part of my life. My business was a huge part of my life. My family was a huge part of my life. And those things couldn't have been more separated. Like I had my spiritual life and I had my business life and they were the great golf. There was fixed. no marriage between it them. It was like, it was like, Hey, I just did business and now I'm going to do like the spiritual thing That's and go so to church cool. or Bible study or whatever. So I'm sitting in my office. I have this little recliner chair in my journal. And that morning I said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this morning for an hour. I had heard the sermon about, you know, can you not tarry with me for an hour? <laughs> kind of felt guilty about that. I'm like, I can tarry with you, Dude. Lord, I'm a Marine. So I printed this whole sheet. I laminated it like a Marine's supposed to do. I had a little little pen, you know, and I had all these people I was going to pray for. So I had my little sheet. I'm like, got in my thing, and I'm like, hour. Okay, here we go. And I started praying, and like five minutes into that, my mind started to wander. <laughs> and seven minutes later, oh, come on, man, you're supposed to. And I kept scolding myself and my mind kept wandering. And then five minutes later, I would come back. And this happened like three or four times, enough that I got was getting frustrated with my lack of spiritual maturity or whatever. <laughs> but what's happening is later on that afternoon, I had a business deal discussion that I was going to have. And that business deal was, a, was, a, was a, eventually a six-figure deal for me. And what was happening is I was sitting in the chair trying to do my laminated prayer thing. And I kept thinking about that deal. And then I kept coming back to my laminated prayer thing. And then I kept thinking about that deal. And it took about a half an hour until I realized, oh, that's God bringing up that business deal. Absolutely. And in that moment, those two worlds, that spiritual world and the business world literally came together like that. And I go, oh, wait a second. God's, God's partnering with me on my business. It, it blew my mind. I always thought these things were so separate. Business, money, God. And it blew my mind that this, this, this God wanted to have a conversation with me about money. And so I started bringing that into this conversation. And I actually started asking God questions about my business. And I started getting answers. He would give me wisdom for deals and people to avoid or people to go, to wow. go talk to. And he started giving me numbers. Like I would be going into a business deal and God would show me this number. I said, wait a second, that's way more than I was thinking about charging. And then all of a sudden I had this prophet, like not a prophetic person, a prophet. Yeah. Come and say, I have a word from the Lord for you. He, he actually was such an old school. Like it was, he said, thus says the Lord. Like he, he said, that he led in with that. He said, thus, thus says the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, cursed is the one who withholds grain. And in that moment, my, my heart dropped through my chest because I had not heard like a rebuke before that it hit me so hard. And I thought, maybe I'm charging too much money or maybe I'm not giving enough money away. And he said to me, uh, he said, you have a way of asking God about your business and you, you, you haven't told anyone about it. And the Lord, Ooh, it, that's what he meant by withholding. Correct. The and he said, he said, blessed is the one who sells it. The Lord wants you to share that story. Wow. 
And I was like, man, here's the thing. I do business events. I teach productivity strategies. I teach marketing, branding, money-making. I teach people how to do deals. I show people how to make money, you know, and how to grow their business and their brand. People do not come to me for what I called at the time, wooey, wooey, spiritual <laughs> stuff. I said, people don't come to me for that. People come to me for the, the other spooky stuff. stuff. And, and he said, well, the Lord wants you to share it. Okay, so like a week and a half later, I'm in a coaching session with my clients. I got about 20 people there. Each of those people have paid me about $20,000 to be in the room. We're going around the room and each person is sharing their story. And as this fourth person shares her story, God says, you're going to pray for her today. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and he said, no, you're going to pray for her today. And I said, God, you don't understand. Which is, by the way, is a really dumb thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Like, my, my son says that to me. Something's dad, you don't understand. Like, I understand, you know. <laughs> so he said, I said, I said, God, you don't understand. So like 30 minutes, God and I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. We're having this conversation. And finally, I said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. Like, I, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, I didn't want to do it. I just didn't feel like talking about it anymore. Yeah. And so I said, Irene, would you mind, this woman's name is Irene. I said, would you mind if, um, if just for a moment, we prayed for you. Now, the backstory is this woman had just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. It Oof. had made its way into her bones. Oof. And I said, would you mind if we prayed for you? And the moment I said that, and keep in mind, this is a business group. This is, I got... Christians there, but I also have atheists, agnostics, Hindus, Buddhists, yeah. new agey people, people, skeptics, everything. The moment I said, would you mind if we prayed for you? I heard chairs moving. I didn't ask anyone to do this. Literally 20 people, 19 people stand up and walk around this woman and form this circle around this woman totally spontaneously. And we begin to pray for this woman and her cancer starts going backwards. It's un this unbelievable story. And I realized, wow, this is a business thing that God just literally wow. puts his hands down. And there are all these people in here who had never, and I'm, I mean this, and nothing against the church. I just mean there's some people in there who have been hurt so badly they would never, ever go to church. They just wouldn't. And here we are all of a sudden praying for this woman and seeing this woman that's have breakthrough. So amazing. And that's really when the doors broke open for me in terms of the m marriage between spirituality and, and business. I mean, I've had atheists, literally taught atheists how to hear the voice of God, which... <laughs> Sounds heretical to me from 15 years ago, but that's that, you know? Well, Samuel heard the Lord before he knew him. Yeah, I mean, John the Baptist, before he was born. Yeah. 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 Nebuchadnezzar heard from the Lord, didn't know him. Pharaoh heard from the Lord, didn't know him. I'm going to start using all those, by the way. Oof. Thank you. You just gave me biblical uh, justification just, it's for It's true, my, though, right? It's yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Like, Nebuchadnezzar's having dreams. God's talking to him. He doesn't know what it means. Pharaoh's having dreams. God's talking to him. Doesn't know what it means. Right? These are, these are guys didn't know. I mean, I, I don't. Didn't we all hear from the Lord before we knew him? Isn't that kind of how we, maybe we Has didn't hear be. an audible voice Has or whatever, right? But Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless he draws him. So, I mean, you actually have to hear the voice of the Lord before you actually know yeah. the Lord. Yeah. It, it might not come with audible voice or something. And it's just fascinating to me. I mean, I've taught at this point literally well over 10,000 people to hear from God. And, it, and these are <laughs> folks from all walks of life, atheists, Hindus, skeptics, Buddhists, Muslims. People ask me sometimes, they're like, why would you teach... I get emails from believers that, that'll say, why would you teach an unbeliever, you know, how to, how to hear from God or how, how do you, how do you teach unbelievers prosperity? And the first time I got asked the question, it kind of hit me a little bit and it made me begin to question some of that. And the answer I gave the person, I actually sent them a video back and I said, I teach them that because God loves them and because God loves them, I love them. And people's, people's stories, like the, there's a woman I tell about in the book who is an atheist who came to one of my business events and I, I did an exercise on how to hear God, and she did the exercise. Thank God she had the courage just to do the exercise. So good. 
This woman from age five to 17 was abused by her father. She never told that story. Never, ever, ever, ever told her story ever until she shows up at my event in her 60s. And here's God, who she didn't think existed. And by the way, I get it. Like, if your dad's yeah. screw, so screwed up, yeah. how could you believe in a, in a heavenly dad? Like, I understand the pain that someone like that totally. would go through. She all of a sudden hears from God, and God begins to speak about how, how much he loves her. And the walls start to break down. And next thing you know, I kid you not, three months later, she's standing on the stage at my event telling that story about how God spoke to wow. her. Three months later, she's telling the story about the abuse, something she had held on to for like 43 years. All of a sudden, it begins to break loose. And I mean it when I said it, uh, 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 and I love the church, but she would have never gone to church. She just never would have. It was too much pain for her. But she walked into a business event. <laughs> and, and in a business event, God that's just reaches amazing. down and touches someone. And so that's what I do. I teach people in the world how to t talk to God specifically about their business. Um, usually that starts with a conversation about them, actually, usually. And then we go from there. Well, tell me a little bit about this book. You probably just told me some yeah. it, right? But tell me a little bit about this book. Tell me, tell me how, like, do you have a, a story about how someone financially prospered from maybe a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, some things that you're teaching? Yes. Yeah, what are some of the principles you're teaching? I have stories how to do that. So I'll, I'll set this up by saying, uh, by, by essentially charting what I consider one of the biggest issues facing the prophetic church right now. If you picture an careful, I know. Careful, I know. I know. It's going to be. I'm going to write Bethel right in there. It's okay. Okay. It's it's okay. So, and by the way, you told me before the interview if we want to edit anything. So, <laughs> you, so, so, so maybe we'll just do this. No, no, I'm just okay. being funny. So I know you are. So, um, but I meant serious about the editing part. So take take the word over here. Right? Yeah. So so God speaks something to someone. Yeah. And on the ark, all the way across is the fulfillment of the word. Yes. So. So in between the word and the fulfillment of the word, quite a few things actually need to happen. Yeah. And the majority of those things, the word came from heaven and the result is on earth. And normally the things that happen in between there are earthly things that happen, right? Yeah, practical things often. So believers given a word that they're going to receive financial blessing, that God's going to give them wealth. And then over time, that word for some reason doesn't happen in that person's life. So when they got the word, they had hope, which is almost always what happens when you receive a word yeah. from God. And when, you, when it doesn't happen, you have hope deferred, which according to Proverbs makes the heart sick. Yeah. And I know, I know so many people, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, like, I'm so connected to some of these people. I know so many people that have had that happen. It's like this circle. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. So they go back in line at church, they get another word, they get hope, and then it goes back again. And they go in this circle. And we don't talk about it very much because, it's, frankly, it's a hard, hard topic to talk about um, because you get into a question of, like, was God wrong? Was I wrong? Did I do something wrong? Was exactly. the prophet wrong? What's, what's the thing yeah. here? And so what I realized, especially working with business owners, because a lot of what I do with business owners is, is I'll sit down one-on-one, -on -one, and people pay me a lot of money to do this. We will hear from God first. So I usually do a five-hour one-on-one session with someone, and we'll listen to God first because I'm interested in what Five-hour session. Five-hour business session, and the first maybe 20 minutes is just listening to God, hearing what he has to say wow. about, about that. This is even unbelievers? Do you do yeah. the 20 minutes? Yeah, even with they know. They, I mean, they, now they all know. Wow. They know. Now, I have people literally, I, the last guy I had, he goes, halfway through the coaching session, he goes, you're clairvoyant, right? 
And I was like, well, I, I, it's not what I call it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, it's more like I'm talking to God. Yeah. But um, that's what, that's what so they're, they're like. like they, 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 you're like a psychic. So in between, so back to the ark, you've got the word, you've got the fulfillment of the word in between some things have to happen. So for example, if God says to someone, I'm going to send you, I'm going to give you wealth. If that person grew up, like I grew up hearing that money's the root of all evil <laughs> or, you know, money's bad or money's yeah. evil. Even <clears throat> if God tries to send the money, They'll reject it. And the, the challenge is most of the time when God wants to send someone money, like sometimes miracles happen and sometimes people receive money uh, supernaturally. I've had that happen. I have no people that have had that happen. Absolutely. I would also say that 99.9% of the time God uses the means of the world to deliver that money. And the reason why is if I, let's say I get $5,000 from God, <clears throat> that's a blessing for me. That's wonderful. But if I create a, if I write a book, and I market that book and it changes people's lives and I get blessed for that. I make it a million dollars or whatever, writing, writing a book. Well, I got blessed, but I got blessed by being a blessing. And so a lot of times what God does is use the means of the world to bless you financially the way you want to. But if that person believes, okay, money's the root of all evil, God will try to send them money, monetary blessing and they will literally push it away. Sabotage and, it. And God, for the <laughs> most part, whatever you desire, he's going to give you. Yeah. And he, 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 he like respects our will, which is fascinating. Cause I don't think I would do that if I was God. And he says, look, I'm trying to send this to you, but, 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 but we're not. And the second part of the arc. So the first part is getting your head straight about whatever God just told you. And the second part of the arc is let's say, let's say God says to someone, you're going to be a, you're going to be a speaker and you're going to be in front of thousands of people sharing your message. Well, the first person thing that person has to do is get their brain straight on their thinking straight on what, God is sending them and believe it, which is faith. Yeah. And then the second thing they have to do is learn how to do whatever. Like if God says you're going to be a speaker, well, guess what? You should go learn how to do that. You <laughs> go learn how practice, to speak. You know, get exactly. some talks in front of 30, 50 people, like learn how to communicate effectively so that the fulfillment, when God brings the thousand person audience, you're, you're, you're ready for it. And so what happens is the desire fulfilled, you know, hope deferred makes a heart yeah. sick, but the desire fulfilled, oh, tree is a tree of life. And this book primarily teaches people, yeah, how to hear from God about yourself, your business, about money. But, but what's more important is inside the book, there's a very detailed discussion about the way the mind works, the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the superconscious mind, how those three things connect so that when you hear something from God, you take what God told you to recode your brain first, to literally recode your way of thinking. If mom said money doesn't grow on trees, you recode your thinking to, to understand that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and God is blessing you to be a blessing. Like you take, you literally take the thing that's not true and get rid of it and take the thing that is true. And then you put skill set on top of that. And so the book in a lot of ways, I'm trying to solve the challenge of connecting the prophetic to the practical, yeah. literally taking the word. And, and right <laughs> now in, in our stage in history, like I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about this. We're, we're converging. We have 80 to 200 years worth of prophetic word in our nation converging in this next year or two. God wants to bless his people. He wants to put his people in places of prominence and power across business, art, media, culture, government. We're not going to make it if we consistently reject what God's trying to bring us. Absolutely. And my mission, I would crawl across the country on broken glass to train God's people to hear from him, yes, but there's a thousand books, 10,000 books on hearing from him, how to hear from him, how to train themselves to be equipped to, to receive what it is and then to move boldly when God calls us to go. So good. We say from the promise to the palace is the process. I love that. And the process is sometimes yeah. determined by your 
condition, right? Like Joseph gets a word that he's going to be a ruler, but he's an arrogant jerk. So where does he go? First place he goes is to slavery. Yeah. I don't know if that had to be his process, but his attitude determined his process, right? It's, it's amazing. And yeah, mm-hmm. Psalm 105 says he was held in shackles where the word of the Lord tested, tested him, him, where he had to hold on to. It's fascinating. Like God said this to him and in prison, if you look at the arc that I just drew, he yeah. had to hold on to really training your brain is nothing more than faith. It's believing, believing if God says like I've, I've given prophetic words to people, you, God is bringing you financial blessing and this and this and this. And they would go, yeah, but I don't want, I don't want money to make me into a bad person. I'm like, well, you better start training your mind about exactly. what money's about. Because if you think it's going to make you a bad person, you're not going to take it. It's going to move to someone else. And what's happening in the world right now is ungodly people <laughs> are acting more like kingdom people than king. Elon Musk acquiring Twitter was the was more of a kingdom move, frankly, than a lot of the kingdom people right now. We're going to make a lot of people mad, but I completely agree with that. It's And, and, it's, it, it, and his principles. And I, I, I frankly, uh, not, yeah. not all of them, of yeah. course, his family, his family, I, like I watch a lot of Elon Musk because I'm like, oh, I get to be alive when, you know, when, when, you know, when Thomas Edison is alive, sort of yeah. speak, you know, when, uh, when some of these great uh, inventors and innovators are alive. It's, it's crazy. And his family's kind of messed up. But, yeah. but he, he's like, uh, there are things more important than money. I heard him say when they talk about Twitter, did you think you're going to lose all this money? No. Would you have done it if you would have known? Well, yeah, there's things more important than money. I'm like, that's why you're wealthy, because yeah. money doesn't own you. Yeah. And God gives these examples to us. So first of all, God will choose his kids first. So if someone had been mentally, emotionally, spiritually prepared for whatever it is that Elon Musk did, God would have given that to him. I'm just saying. I, I completely agree. But he, but we weren't, so he did. And my point is, like a lot of, right now, a lot of believers look at Washington and complain. And I was sitting, I was the same prayer chair that I told you about where I was having that laminated conversation. <laughs> Back in like 2015, uh, I was having this conversation with God. You know when you, when you were just complaining? So I was just complaining. Do you still oh, have Lord. laminated conversations No, anymore? I just, I just have like, <laughs> I do my journal. Okay. So, uh, so I, should, I should go find that laminated card and <laughs> you send you a picture. It'll be so monumental someday. I'm having this conversation with God and I'm complaining about the government. Oh, you know, taxes and like, oh, you know, these corrupt people. And I was complaining whining, you know, and Psalm 140 says, the Lord, the Lord is in heaven. Why would you complain? But I was complaining. And I, uh, and in the middle of that, God said, well, that's not your fault. And I said, I know that's not my fault. That's what I'm talking about. It's not my fault. And he goes, but it is now your responsibility. Your responsibility. And I said, Hey, wait a second now. And the moment he said, it is your responsibility. My eyes went like this and I got to, I realized, okay, I'm going to start training people for leadership. I'm going to start training people to walk into places that we need to walk in the Congress, the government, the white house. I know things aren't the way they're supposed to be. They, they weren't eight years ago. They weren't 80 years before that, but God consistently pulls out rulers and sets up his people when we believe what he has to say. And my mission through the book, through the events and everything is to train God's people to get in the place that God wants them to be. And it could be quick. It could be like a year and a half if we do it right. What is the name of your ministry? How can people get in touch with you? First of all, yeah, great book. Got to read this. God Talks. How to have a friendship with God, even if you made a million mistakes. That's all of us. <laughs> Top Gun fighter pilot right here. Got to read this book. I haven't read this book yet, so you're giving me this book? It's yours. I already okay. signed it for you. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> good deal. How do they get in touch Thank with you? Thank you for asking How that they... question. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I wrote that book for me. The Million Mistakes part... I have more people who come up to me like at airports or at my events and go, dude, that's me. That's yeah, me right exactly. There. And they always whisper it like, yeah. like I'm like, 
Wait, wait, you're going to like tell, and by the way, when you write a book that has the subtitle, when you make them, people start sending you emails with their stories. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> All I, these I, I don't want to know. I was like, God loves you. You're forgiven. Yeah. Like, you know, I've probably done worse stuff than yeah. that. So uh, anyway, so the book, you can get the book at the website, by the way, is godtalks.com. What I told um, your team that we would do is, I don't know when the podcast is releasing, but what I'll be, what I would be happy to do is a couple weeks after that is I, I would, for anyone who wanted to just jump on Zoom, maybe get prayed for, maybe get asked some God some questions specific about business. Ideally, I would do like a little Zoom Zoom meeting. So my team created GodTalksZoom.com. It's just GodTalksZoom, totally free. You don't have to pay anything at all. It's just an opportunity for us to start praying together. My mission is to change people's hearts about their mission so that we can change the world. And if you look, for example, at any of the issues in our culture right now, God has a solution for all those. God has a person or a group of people for all those. He's not surprised. Um, right now, we're desperately in the church. A lot of people are desperately trying to uh, win the 2020 election. The enemy's planning 2024, 2028, 2032. We should be planning those things. Yeah. God's got solutions to all of our problems, but he needs you to say yes, you know, and he needs you to say, okay, even if it takes changing the way that I think and getting into action. And so I'd love to be able to train some people on that too. So yeah, GodTalks.com and GodTalkZoom. GodTalks.com, GodTalkZoom, <laughs> Ed Rush, get the book, get on the Zoom call. We'll let you know when the Zoom, when it's coming out. We'll let you guys know too. Hey, thank you so much for being thank on. You, Chris. Super interesting. Yeah, I appreciate it. Great man. guy. And yeah. maybe you give me a ride in your jet someday. <laughs> We're in the Corvette. We're in the Corvette. Yeah, You're yeah. in the Corvette very fast. <laughs> God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.